0: Hey guys, this is Ed, Paul, and Anna of Current Media, and we are here to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor. Sportsball is a great subscription service geared towards
1: minor league baseball fans. Each box features a different minor league team. You get a box every three months with minor league baseball gear, including different styles of hats like Ed's favorite, the dad hat. The cost is less than $12 a month.
0: Proceeds from each box goes to more than baseball, the only nonprofit dedicated to the well-being of minor league baseball players.
1: We all know that Parents' Days are coming up this summer, so if you've got a mom or a dad, or grandma or a grandpa who are particularly difficult to buy for, but you know they're baseball fans, this is the answer, guys. Meet your new favorite team at SportsBallBox.com. Is there anybody there?
0: what's up deadhead crew ed here and on this episode i give you guys chuck domino he is the godfather of minor league baseball guys he has worked with way too many teams for me to name we actually do name them on the episode so you guys gotta listen to that um but he also gives me a story that hits close to home uh how he acquired the rights to the akron rubber ducks that's right that same team it was a good story a fun story So you guys got to make sure you guys listen to the full interview. Now, before I give you the interview, uh, just wanted to let you guys know that I am partnering with uh, Baseball Barbecue. You guys got to make sure you guys go on www.baseballbarbecue.com forward slash dad hat uh get all your grilling needs there They have a lot of cool um uh they have uh, cutting boards uh grilling utensils and you can now use all of your uh favorite minor league baseball teams all the affiliated teams okay so guys make sure you guys go there baseballbarbecue.com forward slash dad hat and now that i got the business part out of the way without further ado guys i give you the episode all right well i want to welcome you guys to yet another episode of the data chronicles obviously you guys know me my name is ed but with me today guys i got a treat for you guys i have the president of which one of the greatest names right now in minor league baseball the dirty birds the charleston dirty birds chuck domino how are you doing sir
1: good eddie how are you doing thanks for having me
0: it's an absolute pleasure thank you thank you for coming on it's uh it's uh a absolute you know mind you know blowing episode when i uh, when i contact you guys and you and you said yes i'm like yes let's do it so i was super excited for that great um so let's get started let's go right in um it'll be uh, like the same question i ask everybody growing up how did you become a fan and you're a pittsburgh guy correct
1: oh yeah well i was taken by my, my father took me to my first game at old forbes field in pittsburgh in 1969, uh, we had box seats. At the time, I remember him saying we got box seats, and I thought we were going to be sitting on cardboard boxes. I had no <laughs> idea what they meant. And uh, we were we played. that It was the Pirates against the Montreal Expos, the expansion Montreal Expos in 1969. And, uh, boy, it was, I fell in love with Roberto Clemente. Oh. Um, it was I, – I, I always remember it was – in October. It was one of the last games of the season because the Pirates had a backup catcher by the name of Jerry May. And Jerry May walked with the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth inning and the Pirates won on a walk-off bases loaded walk. And the the newspaper the next day said it's May and October because it was Jerry May and I'll never I'll never forget that. So I was hooked on baseball from that point forward. Roberto Clemente, you can't see, but uh, I have a picture of Roberto Clemente right over here. I, I always have, I have multiple offices and Roberto Clemente is featured in all my offices. Oh. And, uh, and I also have Pete Rose over here because I remember one of the games the next year I went with my mother and my little brother and we sat on right field of Forbes Field because I wanted to sit close to Clemente. And they were playing a Cincinnati Reds and Pete Rose was playing right field for them.
0: Oh my Clemente,
1: God. Many for us, every other half inning, Clemente Rose, Clemente Rose, Clemente Rose. You can't, I mean, you know, what a memory that was. And uh, I was at the last game ever played at Forbes field. We swept the Cubs in a doubleheader. 10 days later. Later I was at the first game ever at three river stadium against the Cincinnati Reds. Unfortunately, we lost that game three to two. So that's how I became a baseball fan. I went to my first game when I was 10 years old. Forbes Field got hooked. And Never look back. Yep, yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, and you obviously, and you talk about Clemente and he's, you know, obviously I'm from the same island that he was from, right? Uh-huh. And let me tell you, that's, that's music to my ears because that guy, he is like, you know, you say his name. And everybody lights up as soon as you they hear you know Clemente you know name. It's it's amazing.
1: You know I still haven't seen anybody play the game like he did with the same grace as he did. To watch him, the way he ran, the way he ran the bases, uh, the, just the way he flung his arms and everything he did, the basket catches, the great arm, the way he stood. He was only 175 pounds, but he he had strong hands and he he could hit the ball out of and he played in Forbes Field, which was 457 feet to straightaway center field. Think about that.
0: That's and massive. It was,
1: like, it was like 390 to the power alleys, and so you know he if he would have played a lot most of his career in Three Rivers Stadium, he probably would have had 400 home runs instead of 219 home runs. But anyhow, I can go on and on about Clemente. I get goosebumps. <laughs> to this day, talking about Roberto Clemente. And of course I was devastated, you know, the infamous, uh, plane crash.
0: Yep. And never found his body again, which was, you know, even sadder. Right. Yep. So, um, all right, so let's go ahead and just jump a little bit ahead. You know, you, you're, uh, you're about to head into, you know, minor league heaven, you know, what was your first job in, in minor league? Uh,
1: my first job was an internship in Oklahoma city. Um, with the triple a Texas Rangers. Nice. And yeah, I, I went out there and I graduated from uh, at Biscayne college with a sports management degree down in Florida. Mm-hmm. It's now called St. Thomas university. And, uh, and they offered internships and I had my pick of a couple and I picked baseball uh, in Oklahoma city. <clears throat> and from there, the next year I was in, I was in a, a, a town, Eugene, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that season, the general manager said to me, uh, Chuck, you're ready to run your own club. And the same owner owned a team in a pioneer league called the Pocatello Gems. So I said, sure, why not? And he says, well, you're going to be the general manager of Pocatello Gems. So two years out of college. And was, you're
0: running a team.
1: I think I was the youngest general manager. Certainly at that time, I was 24 years old. I might've been the youngest general manager in the history of professional baseball. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, so I've been, at, I've been at the lowest rung I've been at. It was has been general manager since, uh, 1985.
0: Oh my God. And then obviously your, your longest stint was with, um, um, excuse me, with, uh, the fighting fields, the writing fighting fills.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is my 40th year. And, uh, I'm still involved with the fighting fills. I'm yep. the president of their, uh, of their charity. And I go up there like once a month for uh, three or four days. And uh, I just, I love Reading. I I don't know if you've ever had a chance to get to Reading. That is minor league baseball just to the 10th, the nth degree. You just, it just, just, I don't know the history of that stadium and the color and the pageantry of, of, of the way they celebrate their history there. It's just, it's like a, it's like a step back in time. It's really beautiful
0: now. And one of my favorite brands that they do is the uh, hot dog vendor.
1: I, uh, I was, I created the hot dog vendor in probably God, it was late nineties, early two thousands. I came up with the idea of the crazy, of, of the crazy hot dog vendor <clears throat> because my the sponsor, the Burks hot dogs wanted mm-hmm. us to come up with something unique. So My idea was that he was going to run through the stands throwing hot dogs. And one day, my assistant general manager came up to me, who's now the general manager, Scott Hunsaker. He's been there for a lot of years. Uh, He says, Chuck, we came up with a better idea for your crazy hot dog vendor. We want to put him on an ostrich. (laughs) And we want want to throw hot dogs from the field. I said, that's just crazy enough. I think that's a great idea. So he, Matt Jackson is the crazy hot dog vendor. He's been the only crazy hot dog vendor since its inception uh, in the late nineties, I believe. And uh, he's now in his forties. And he, I brought him to Charleston twice last year. He's coming back once this year. Um, he, so he's kind of taken the crazy hot dog vendor on the road. And I tell you what, people just love him everywhere he goes. He is, uh, one of the most popular if not the most popular mascot and it really there's still screwball screwball is the main the number yeah one yeah original mascot that that I came up with mm-hmm. uh, back in the like like 1988 but uh, the crazy hot dog vendor riding on the ostrich uh, which Scott and a couple other people came up with the ostrich that's just something that people still talk. and that ostrich has the name Rodrigo and uh, amazing. It's, it's just a great, it's just a great atmosphere there. And, uh, and we love the crazy hot dog vendor.
0: It's, 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 it's really minor league, right? It's that's what's, you know, at the heart of it, because I even own their, their dad hat for, you know, the crazy hot dog vendor. It's one of my hats that, you know, he on my wall. So that's yeah. how, that's how like you know popular he is like there's he has his own hat for god's sake that's oh
1: he has his own own hat he has his own bobblehead he has his own four foot statue in the team store there i mean the crazy hot dog vendor in redding is you know he's he's more popular than i am that's for sure (laughs) that's amazing and
0: and but that's again like i said that's that's very minor league um, so I want to read a, a, a number of teams that you've you know worked with, which is the Storm Chasers, Omaha Storm Chasers, Lexington Legends, you know, Tr- Rocket City Trash Pandas, Charlotte Knights, Fisher Cats. I mean, Yard Goats, and then th- this is a not a a small list, my friend. This is a very legit, like some legit teams out there that you. Oh yeah, with. You're,
1: yeah. You're uh, and I was the president of the Iron Pigs, the Triple A yep. team the Phillies for for uh, several years too, and. Uh, Yeah. Before COVID, I had 10 teams. Uh, So I was uh, either managing or consulting with uh, Mm kind of COVID kind of changed everything, but, you know, one door closes, another door opens. And uh, Andy Shea owner of the Lexington team who i have been doing work with for a lot of years, called me and said, Hey, we got an opportunity in uh, Charleston. Uh, Would you be interested? And it's going to be uh, independent baseball. Um, And I said, Andy, I've never done independent baseball. I, I, I've always found it, you know, a little fascinating. Let's let's give it a, a shot. So mm-hmm. uh, that's how I ended up. Uh, that's how I ended up in Charleston, West Virginia. And, and one of the things, Eddie, that I, I I made up my mind early on is uh, probably the the second or third phone call. We were the West Virginia Power at the time. Yep. The second or third phone call that we got when I first got here that was complaining about their electric bill, thinking we were the power company. <laughs> 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 I said, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to be that. We, we got to change the name. We got to change the name to something more along the name of the flying squirrels and yep. the yard goats and the rubber ducks. Uh, I was involved with that name as well. And the trash pandas, something, you know, truly minor league fun, something that resonates with the younger uh, segment of fans too. So that's where we came up with the Charlie, uh, the, the, the uh, dirty birds, of course, it's not popular with everybody. No, no names are real popular with everybody at first, right. but then it becomes the hometown team and everybody accepts it. it. Sometimes it takes a little longer than others.
0: I was just going to say, because it is very, um, very interesting, you know, the dichotomy the of between like, you know, local and national, you know, view of the name and the team and everything and how a lot of the times it's not the same. Right. And right. so right. I, I find that fascinating.
1: Well, you know, in Rocket City, the big debate was, oh man, people are gonna hate. You know, we we don't want to. you know, some people says we can't call ourselves trash. Yeah. You know, when I was in Lehigh Valley, oh, we can't be pigs. You know, what what you know, everybody, you know, when I when I was with the uh, the Hartford, Hartford team doing, you know, helping pick that name, what's the yard goats? You know, we can't be the yard go, You know, but it I tell you it. it as soon as you as soon as you usually when you unveil the logo when the people hear the name first they're a little skeptical when they then they see the logo and it kind of all resonates for them and i think that's what's happening in charleston that's what certainly what happened with richmond and the flying squirrels when we named the flying squirrels and the iron pigs that was the first two that i was involved with people we will never come to games that's the worst name we're embarrassed over that you know and I like to tell a story in Lehigh Valley. People were up in arms about the Iron Pigs. First game, there's 65-year-old grandfathers walking around with plastic pig snouts that we were selling in the store, wearing plastic pig snouts. (laughs) So, you know, you let the the venom kind of get out a little bit, and then they wear themselves out, and they finally succumb and say, Either, yeah, I'm going to join this team. I'm going to join it. Why not? You know, it's our team. Let's have some fun with
0: it. I was just going to say, and, and why not enjoy it and embrace it? It's something different. It's very hyper-local. Uh, so I, I I don't understand why people would be against it. Like, you know, hey, listen, the, the Akron rubber ducks, right? Yeah. They were the arrows for a long time, became the rubber ducks. And it's one of the most popular ones out there as well. well- the trash pandas.
1: Yeah. Well, let me, let me tell you a little story about the rubber duck. So I was there uh, with them in 2011 Mm -hmm. uh, doing some consulting and myself and Jim Fander, their general manager, we were coming up with uh, names because arrows really nobody really knew what that was. It was kind Mm -hmm. of a really messy logo, hard to decipher on a hat. And uh, you know, we were kept thinking, kept thinking, kept thinking about, and Jim came up to me and says, I got it. He goes, we play, we play at Canal Park, which is water. Mm-hmm. We play in the rubber city, rubber city, home of Goodyear and Goodrich. He goes, We got rubber and we got water. What do you think? What do you think? What, what's come to your mind? I go, rubber ducks. He goes, exactly. I go, that's it. That's it. <laughs> so 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 what happened was we went ahead and hired Brandios. Yep. And and we had the logo, we had the uniforms, we had everything. And the reason why I was there is because a new ownership was going to come in
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was going to uh, oversee the team for them. And uh, Jim was going to be the general manager. I was going to be the president. Uh, but the, the sell, unfortunately, to that group fell through. The old owner came back and said and, and I was gone at that point. And he said, we are not going to be the rubber ducks. I hate that name. So he went back to the arrows for another year. And then he sold the the, the team to a new owner who came in, mm-hmm. and he kept the Arrows for one year. But in the meantime, I owned I owned the name to the Rubber Ducks because right. the old owner refused to pay brandios so I personally paid brandios Yeah, because I felt bad that, that they got left. Yeah, they did brought.
0: all the work and all that. Yeah.
1: Right. So I paid them out of my pocket and then I own the rights to the rubber ducks. But what am I going to do with it? There's only one team really there where it made sense. And it was an Akron. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, the new owner came back around to me and said, you know what? We want to be the rubber ducks now. How much do you need for the name? And I said, I just want back what I paid for it. And that's how they became the rubber ducks.
0: Nice. I never knew that absolutely never knew that that's how they became the rubber duck. They were supposed yeah. to be a couple of times and boom, there yeah. it goes. Yeah. That's amazing. It's a, I love the logo. I love their faux back when they go, the little rubber ducky. I mean, I think it's great. Oh, it's amazing. The,
1: the logos, the logo is fantastic. It really is. Yeah.
0: Let me ask you, um, because you touched on this a little bit. Um, you, you, you worked affiliated and now you're in an in independent ball. Um, in in your from your experience, what is you know one of the biggest differences you know doing working in now independent uh, ball?
1: Well, well you, you get so much more involved with the team itself. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like we have we have a, a player coaches. You know, we have Scott Kelly's a hitting coach and a second baseman Joe Testa's a left handed starter and our, our pitching coach. Uh, Joe test is also a handyman. So he came in a couple of weeks early to, to help us get the stadium ready. So, you know, you don't have that in affiliated ball. You don't, you don't have your, your pitcher slash pitching coach coming in a couple of weeks early to help you put the stadium together <laughs> right? <laughs> and, you know, painting and, and, you know, building stuff. So, uh, so, you know, so, so that's just a small example, uh, but, you know, paying, paying the players and, and being involved, uh, with the salary cap, the monthly salary cap, our manager Billy Horn does does all of that, but uh, he keeps me involved. And you know, hey, this is how much we got left in the cap. This is how much I want to pay. What do you think if I sign this guy? You know, he knows the players. He's been in the league for a long time. Uh, so, uh, but it's it's interesting being at that part of it. So just being closer to the actual uh, decisions that are made for the roster. Uh, right, you know what? In affiliate, affiliated baseball, you would have nothing to do with that. You know, there's times in affiliated baseball when I was the uh, president of the Iron Pigs, our office was uh, was on the second floor, over first base, and the clubhouse was on the bottom floor, uh, under third base. You would never see the guys. Yeah, you know, you, you, they would never come up to the office. You would never, you would see them. You know, first first uh, event you had, the meet the meet the players event. And then you pretty much the next time you talk to them, actually, they were, you know, you were giving them their uh, flight to go home. <laughs> so, But wow. that's not like that. You're seeing these guys, you're interacting with them all the time. And I think it's a it's pretty cool change of pace after after uh, 38 years of uh, affiliated baseball.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you and the Dirty Bears have become one of the most popular teams, you know, especially on social media. Right. With with the involvement. Uh, of uh social media. Tell me a little bit about that because I see you guys are a lot more active, you know, with that, you know, was yeah. that done purposely so that way, yeah. you know, everybody could get to know the team.
1: Yeah. We, we, we uh changed things up here after last year, last year was a real uh we were drinking out of a fire hose last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I got here like a month before the season started and, you know, baseball in Charleston wasn't even a for sure thing until uh, February mm-hmm. of uh, 2021. And then I got here in uh, late March and we were playing like six weeks later. So uh, we really kind of pieced it together. We didn't have a whole to- a whole lot of time for st- strategic thinking on the marketing end. Uh, but through the course of the season last year, I learned that Zach Curden, our, uh, our box office manager was also very talented oh, yeah. in social media. So, uh, we, we pretty much gave him you know, all the social media and he's running with it and he's doing a fantastic job.
0: Yes, he know, is. Really. I, I follow him on social media as well and he's great with it. He is absolutely great with, with all of that. So, I mean, kudos to you guys for that. And, you know, when you guys release new hats and all of that stuff, I mean, the involvement you guys are doing with, uh, with, uh, with fans is it goes a long way.
1: Yeah. Well, part of my job is because I don't I can't do what a lot of these people do. I can't sell a ticket. You know, if you put me in front of the ticket mm-hmm. computer down there. We're not going to have anybody at games because I can't sell them a ticket. I don't know anything about social media, but I what my job is, is to, to notice talent and play the people in the right places. Like a manager of a baseball team, he can't play center field, but he knows mm-hmm. who should play center field. <laughs> right. Know, so,
0: exactly. You
1: know, that's how and, and that's how I'll that goes. On. Right. Right.
0: I love it. Um, OK. It's, Obviously, you've been in an in a, in affiliated and uh, Andy Ball for just a little bit of time. Right. Uh, yeah. Involved with baseball. Tell me something that has been, you know, that you've noticed that has been uh, changed. That's changed along the time, you know, when when it comes to baseball, like, you know, anything like like that at all.
1: Uh, there, it's, it's changed so much since, uh, you know, I got in, into this. It was a really mom and pop operations when I got into it. Mm-hmm. You know, teams were being sold for. Uh, they would just assume the debt from the previous team. And That's how gotcha. they acquire teams. You know, teams would would still owe a bus company twenty five thousand dollars or the their local newspaper for advertising twenty five thousand dollars, and this guy three thousand and that guy five thousand, and someone would come along and said, "I'll pay your eighty two thousand dollars worth of debts and to own the franchise." And that's how. That's how business. That's how transactions were made back in the early, late '70s and early '80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the the transformation occurred. Uh, I, I think a lot of it had to do with my my uh, my contemporaries. We were we were all kind of coming out of college. At the same time in like the mid early to mid eighties with sports management degrees, Mm -hmm. and we were getting hired by by people to run these teams. And we were they were so we were starting to run them a little bit better. And then that attracted some owners who were more sophisticated because they saw some some movement and and say, Hey, this is being run a little more professionally. So they were attracted and then you know one thing led to another more sophisticated owners came in then they started hiring more sophisticated operators and back and forth and before you know it uh the franchise values were going up because attendance was going up uh the smart owners were reinvesting in the facilities uh and you know boom and then uh, the, the movie bull Durham came out during that period of time brought a lot of attention to minor league baseball so it was like the perfect storm in the 19 mid 1980s late 1980s and it just kind of you know took off from there uh yeah
0: yeah it's funny you say bull Durham because that's how i grew up i grew up with major league bull durham you know that's how i fell in love with baseball and you know look at look how it's still to this day two of the most talked about movies you know out there when it comes to baseball
1: yeah Yeah, that's really how it happened.
0: Um, Anything that has stayed constant for you that you think that's just, you know, it has not changed. Obviously the game hasn't changed, but something that hasn't, that has stayed constant.
1: Well, you know, the the one thing that's constant and I just got done is two days before opening day, me and the rest of the crew out there, no matter whether you're the president or the general manager, we're moving (laughs) tables. we're we're, We're getting ready for opening day. It's a lot of physical labor. Um, Yeah, I guess the point is, you know, it's still a very hands-on, minor league baseball is still a very, very hands-on business. Mm -hmm. It it hasn't changed in that aspect because we have, it's grassroots. We have to depend on people buying tickets, uh, buying concessions. You know, we don't have, we get the same amount of money from TV as we did 40 years ago, which is zero.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of money. Let me tell you, it goes a long way.
1: Yeah, so you know, so we have to do, we have to scratch and claw, and we have to give a good product so people want to, you know, buy the ticket, and have, the tickets got to be affordable enough where they can come and buy the ticket, and the, and the food's got to be affordable so they can continue to come multiple times with their family. But at the same time, our costs keep going up, so you you, you got to try to be creative. You, cre- you create different revenue streams from for sponsorships. Without sponsors. We're dead in the water, right? Because the sponsors are what would really, you know, allow us to keep the prices affordable for the rest of the community. And so, yeah. you know, that's what I tell spawn. When if I speak at a chamber a commerce event, I always say, "You people out in the audience are what's making is what's allowing us to still still sell tickets for eight and ten dollars, and still sell hot dogs for two and three dollars." because you're the ones that are helping us pay the bills so we can afford to keep our prices affordable for the rest of your neighbors and your customers in your own businesses. So, you know, it's really, Myerly Baseball is really a partnership with the community.
0: Let me ask you, because this is a trend that I've seen happening is now advertising on, on uniforms and, and such, but I think it goes hand in hand with what you're saying, right? If you want to keep affordability low then there has to be a give and take you know some uniforms are gonna have some advertising yeah. and yeah. things like well, that
1: so- yeah well soccer soccer is really doing a lot of that I mean they right. they, they put a lot of value on their uniforms. Um, we haven't done it yet but uh, not that we if we had the right opportunity we would do it Mm -hmm. Uh, we're still selling some other, you know, some other inventories. Uh, But once we sell out everything, you know, then you start looking, okay, what
0: else, what else can we we do?
1: Yeah. What else can we do? Uh, And that's a nice problem to have. So hopefully we get to that soon where we got to start thinking about let's sell uh, everything we can sell. You know, if you, if you remember Eddie, and you know, I think you're, you're probably old enough to remember.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. You go, you watch old time baseball games. From when you say when I say old time, I'm talking not really not that old 70s and 80s. Yep, a major league game. It wasn't that long ago. There was not an advertisement in an outfield on a major league game. Correct. Minor leagues that was that was that was considered at the time that was looked looked down. Major leagues looked down upon. Um, my, that's minor leagues selling outfield advertising. You know now you look now look at a major league stadium. So major league stadiums have, have learned and have stolen a lot of ideas from minor league baseball through the years. A
0: lot and, of them.
1: And there's, and when they build new stadiums, they build them smaller, more mm-hmm. intimate. They're like, they're like larger minor league stadiums. They're not these huge bowls like Three Rivers and Riverfront used to be. Uh, so, yeah, they've learned a lot. from. They might not want to admit it, but they've learned a lot from minor league baseball, and they've adjusted. And
0: let's be honest, now, all of a sudden, they're coming out with city edition uniforms and but minor league has been doing different alternative uniforms and uh, all of that for a long time. Oh, yes. They they keep, you know, major league want to they want to believe all they want, but they they are getting information and they are learning from the minors.
1: They are no doubt about it.
0: Um, Let me ask you. Speaking of that, would you would you ever consider work going up and working into majors, or is that something that no, you're that, prefer- no,
1: you know, I had some opportunities a long time ago, and okay. uh, I just never, it, it was never, it just was never a goal of mine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I like being kind of a hands-on, kind of get my hands dirty kind mm-hmm. of guy, and and uh, I don't like wearing a tie. Uh, <laughs> no, neither do I. Yeah, you know, I. Minor, you know minor leagues just kind of just fit who I am and I and I I started doing it and, and I got addicted to it I don't know if you ever heard the name Bob Freitas mm-hmm. Bob Freitas there's a Bob Freitas award given out uh, every year at the, at the uh, well it used to be at the baseball winter meetings uh, the Bob Freitas award was for for excellence in uh, baseball minor league baseball operations Bob Freitas was an old-timer who who uh, really kind of uh, wrote wrote back in the like the 50s and 60s kind of wrote the manual on promoting minor league baseball back way back in the day and I got to meet him he happened to live in Eugene Oregon when I was in Eugene Oregon and oh he was, wow yeah he was in his 80s at the time and I was in my early 20s and he was such a wonderful man I remember he he uh, brought me over to his house for dinner with he and his wife and he told me son he said you're never going to get rich in this business. But he goes, if you if you want to get out, get out now, because if you don't, it's going to get in your blood and you're going to do it for the rest of your life. So uh, and he was absolutely right. Uh, although uh, I don't think he envisioned the, the kind of money that you know, minor league baseball started to generate. And you're so right. you can't get super rich, but you can do all right if you uh, if you hang around long enough and you do your job well.
0: And I, I love the, um, you know, the intimacy of, you know, minor league baseball, you know, the, how uh, the availability of general managers and you guys that have with, with fans like myself that you're not going to get from a major league team. It's just not going to happen.
1: So I really enjoy that. Right. Yeah. The general manager of a major league team, he's, he's watching the game from a suite. Uh, he's watching every pitch of, of every inning from a suite. Uh, you know, in 40 years, if you add up all my innings that I've actually watched the game, it might add up to four years worth of baseball in 40 years because I'm busy running around, you know, making sure the lines are going down or, you know, what, whatever I'm doing. I'm, right. I'm very rarely just sitting watching the game. Now, if it's if it looks like, you know, it's eighth inning, ninth inning, and we got a nail-biter, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to make sure I watch some of it.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: But, uh, but, but, but normally – you know, if you when people interview and I for, for jobs in minor league baseball and they say, I said, why do you want a job in minor league baseball? I just love baseball. I said, you know what, then <clears throat> uh, you're probably better off buying a ticket than being a fan because you're going to if you really, really, really love watching baseball. You're in the wrong business because you're not going to be seeing as much, much as you of think it. You're going to see you're better off wa- you know, watching it in person. Uh, and if and if you think and if you think you're going to spend a lot of time getting to know the players and you know, you're, you're, you're just not,
0: you know,
1: it's a, it's a job like, you know, there's a lot of benefits to it. And, but it's a, it's a job. It's a lot of work.
0: It really is. It it most certainly is. Uh, Let me ask you one more question before we go into my famous, not so famous question. Um, And and I I really want to know the character that is the toast man.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, he is, you know, I I actually have one of the dad hats, right. You know, that I have back here is one of them. You know, tell me about him, you know, because every time I hear about, you know, West Virginia, the Charleston uh, team is, you know, him. He's there.
1: Well, not only is he there, he's right here. He's through that door on the other side. Right now, as we speak, he he and I are the only two here in the office working late. Um, So uh, he he works full time for the team. He wasn't always that way. Right. Right. He started out as a as a the the, the, the toast man at mm-hmm. Watt Powell Park before they moved over here, and then he came here. He's a season ticket holder. Uh, he he makes toast and he he sits over close to the visiting team's on deck circle, and he razes those visiting team members just mercilessly. And but he he never crosses the line. Right. He gets on their case. He has he, he has history on them. He, he studies. He researches them. If he found out it, a guy struck out three times in a college world series and they lost the championship and this guy was 0 for 4 and struck out three times, he's going to remind him about it every time <laughs> he comes up to the plate. And he's going to remind everybody in the stands about it every time he comes up to the plate. So the Toastman... He is a full. He is now a full-time employee of the team up until five o'clock, and then he, he buys his season ticket, and he becomes a fan. And, That's amazing. And he's and but he I, I couldn't understand the 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 whole dynamic when I first got here. I, I hadn't met him yet. His name is Rod Blackstone. I had not met him yet. I just heard stories. I'm like, wait a second. How can this guy be a – how can he be a front office member and then turn around and go do that? How does he not get punched? How does he not – you know, how does he you – know. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, every time I have an out-of-town guest come to, to the game, I put them right down next to the, him because I know they're going to enjoy the heck out of the game because he is funny and he gets under the other player's skin, but he never crosses the line. And most of the time, the players, even even if he gets under the skin, they come up after the game and they'll fist pump him and say, "You got me. You really got me. <laughs> <game."> <laughs> you got me this time." Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, he's 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 famous. He really is. He he does a great job.
0: Love it. I, and and uh, that's so so baseball, right? To me, yeah. And, I, and that's why I love this game because there's there's people like him that make the game fun, which is yep. you know, I get at the end of the day, we're playing a kid's game. That's right. what it is. It's a kid's yep. game and people are getting paid for it, which I love. Yep.
1: yep.
0: All right, my friend. Are you ready for this? Let's go. Okay. I'll ask you an easy one. When you go to a ballpark as a fan, as a fan, not as a paid employee, what is your drink and food of choice?
1: Well, it depends what stadium we're going to.
0: Oh,
1: okay. If I'm going to, if I'm going to the Pirates, I'm, if I'm going to the Pirate game, I'm getting a Primanti Brothers sandwich. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to a Philadelphia Phillies game, I'm getting the Schmitter. The Schmitter. Uh, so it's called the Schmitter, Mike, after Mike Schmidt. Uh-huh. Uh, there's all kind of different meats on it. If I'm coming to this here, I'm getting the Billy Horn dog. <laughs> I love it. Okay, that's so
0: amazing.
1: Our manager is Billy Horn. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I told him he didn't know why I was asking him. I called him uh, about a month ago, and I said. Billy, what's your favorite topping on a hot dog? He go, and I says, it can't be ketchup, mustard, sauerkraut. Give me something out of the order. And he said, well, let me think about it. I'm going to ask my wife. So he called back the next day and he goes, we, we think that a, a, an interesting one would be macaroni and cheese and bacon bits. Wow! And I, said, I said, I like it. You just designed the Billy Horn dog. He goes, <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I love it. So yeah, if I'm here, I'm going to get a Billy Horn dog. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, and, and I'm gonna get the cheapest the cheapest old man's beer you can get if they have a Pabst or an Old Milwaukee, that's what I'm gonna get. I don't like I don't like craft beers, Eddie. Not only don't like them, I don't like paying the the premium for something <laughs> I don't like. I was just gonna say, there's a, and a lot of teams have now their own local beer. Oh, yeah, no, no, I, I in in Reading we had my dad's beer stand. Mm-hmm. It had like the you know, like like ten ten brands that your father drank in the 1960s and they were all like the pounders, like yeah. the, you know, the black labels and the Schlitz and the Schmitz. And you know, <laughs> that's what I'm going to drink. I love it. That's amazing. Um, okay. So let me see coffee or tea. Oh, coffee. Absolutely.
0: All day long. Huh?
1: All day long.
0: Um, cats or, or uh, dogs? what you say? Cats or dogs?
1: Oh, dogs. Oh,
0: that's what good man deep dish or New York style pizza?
1: Wow, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm gonna to have to say New York style. But sometimes, sometimes there's a you just got there's to a time a for dish.
0: everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. Um, okay, uh, your favorite um, topping on an ice cream.
1: You know, you're, you're not, you're not gonna believe this one, because you probably never heard this one. I, I I like coconut. Oh, I yeah. Like, I, cr- like sh- oh, I like yeah. shredded. I like shredded coconut. I never because uh, I had that one time and I like this is awesome. So if, if I'm anywhere and they have shredded coconut, that's what I'm going to sprinkle on my ice cream.
0: That's and it's good. There's nothing yep. wrong with that. It's absolutely delicious. Um, OK, what was your nickname growing up?
1: Oh, man, it was, you know, when your name's Chuck, you're, 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 you're it's
0: just, you're, yeah. You're
1: Chuckles, you're Chaz, <laughs> your Chaz, your Chuckie Cheese. Oh, yeah. so you got a lot of nicknames growing up. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all, it's up Chuck, you know, it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's all, it's all <laughs> like a play, a, Yeah, play on
0: my name. I, I get it. I can see that. I can see that. All right. If you, if, if, an if animals could talk, which animal do you think would be the rudest animal?
1: <laughs> kangaroo. No, no, not a kangaroo a giraffe a giraffe a giraffe <laughs> yeah, i love it yeah they're arrogant they're taller than everybody and it's like yeah, they can see they see yeah, they, down just, look, on they you. just look down on you yeah, <laughs> i love yeah. it i think kangaroos would be the rudest
0: i like it all right so if you can have dinner with any baseball player that's no longer with us that's uh dead which which player would that
1: be well, you know, uh, we already touched on it yeah, earlier. I got, think I was got,
0: I was gonna it, say, yeah,
1: it's got it's got to be Roberto Clemente, and uh, because I had uh, my second favorite player, I did have dinner with him and and uh, Willie Stargell, um, way wow. back in the day, and uh, and he was a fantastic guy. But uh, yeah, Roberto Clemente. But,
0: yeah. yeah, that's a good one. I wish I, I, I that's the same player I would I would choose. Mm-hmm. If any of that player it would be him, that would be amazing. Um, okay. Let's see a couple more, and then uh, we'll get you out of here. Do you think that cereal is a soup?
1: Do I think cereal is a soup? Yep. Heck, heck, no. Because I love soup, and I don't like cereal. <laughs> so they—they they no way they could be the same thing.
0: It's not happening. Not not nope. on your house. Not nope. on your watch. Nope. Uh, do you think a hot dog is a sandwich? No. Another great answer. Another great answer. Uh, all right. Here's the last one. Strangest thing that you have ever eaten.
1: Hmm. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a tough one because there's nothing I don't eat. <laughs> uh, you tried Joe tried just about anything. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing I don't eat. I can't, I can't think of anything. That's there's probably a lot of people think I would eat strange stuff, but um, I can't think of anything really. Eddie, I, I had a I don't know if this is would be the strangest thing, but here in Charleston, I uh, created a the bologna roni burger, uh, which is a a burger with a slice of uh, fried bologna and then fried pepperoni and then pepper jack cheese. That's delicious. I don't think that's strange, but that that's a that's a good one.
0: That's something I would definitely love to try for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would have to have, have a little more time to think about that one. I'm sure I come up with something, but not off the top of my head. Cause I just eat, cause I eat, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm like a, a human garbage can. I really
0: <laughs> You'll try just about anything, huh? Yep, yeah. yeah. Love it. Love it.
1: Hey, um, I want to thank you. F- uh,
0: this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, where can uh, people find you and the team on social media and things like that? Do you know? Uh, you have to get yeah, Zach, Zach Curtain. you're talking to the, <laughs> the wrong guy. So the dirtybirds.com and then the they dirty can dirtybirds.com. Yeah. I will put the uh the link to uh, the Twitter so and, that way and, they can and, follow and, you guys. And
1: our Facebook too. So.
0: Absolutely. I will make sure for uh to do that. Again, thank you so much. Okay, Take care, Okay, thank you.
1: Bye-bye.
0: I Hope you guys enjoy that episode with Chuck Domino. Now make sure you guys are following the Dirty Birds on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. They even have a TikTok channel. They do a bunch of TikTok things. I don't know what that means, but they have one, okay? Um, And then also, if you guys like what you guys are listening to right now, this episode, this podcast, make sure you guys are giving it five stars and um, leave a review. Uh, Five stars means I go up on the rankings. That means more people get to listen to the podcast. Um, Until then, guys... Keep on grinding and always support the minor leagues. See ya.
1: This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media.
0: Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data at Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you, and players, coaches, GMs, on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport.
1: I'm Paul Caputo, and on the Baseball by Design podcast, I talk to minor league baseball teams, designers, and other super interesting people about what these minor league baseball logos mean, and I talk a little bit about ice cream helmets. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna DiTomaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series. And in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy. This is Patrick and Corey of BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down
0: to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball. So, get on the site and find a team near you today. Learn more about Curve Brand Media at curvebrandmedia.com.